Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern bar cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Koslick, and today we've got a bar cart foundations episode meant to give you a better understanding of all the different ways you can go about organizing and optimizing your home bar. As we like to keep in mind here on this show, everybody has a slightly different relationship to cocktails and home bartending, and we all have different goals when it comes to entertaining and personal flavor exploration. As I conduct all the interviews for this podcast and and meet different people, I'm very often in their homes or apartments, and I get to see how they've set up their bars and bar carts to suit their unique lifestyle. So I thought I'd try and condense some of the general principles and tactics that I see other people using into one quick episode for you today. We've got some really great interview content slated for the weeks to come, including some exciting cocktail authors who will join us to discuss their books. But thanks to a bit of recent warm weather here in Washington, D.C., my mind is on spring cleaning and organizing so that we can start the new season right with our cocktail projects. Instead of doing a featured cocktail, this time, I'm going to issue a challenge to you all that has to do with those mostly empty bottles kind of sadly hanging around on your bar or bar cart. We've all got them. It's those bottles that were either too sentimentally attached to or just too lazy to finish. And so I thought that in the spirit of spring cleaning, I'd like to see what kinds of drinks you can come up with to help free up some space on your bar for some new arrivals. This is kind of the cocktail equivalent of leftover night where you clean out the fridge, except there is hopefully a much lower risk of coming across something moldy on your bar. So snap a picture of your spring cleaning cocktail creation, post it on Instagram or Facebook and tag us at modern bar cart. And maybe we'll select one or two of you lucky listeners to receive a free spring themed gift courtesy of modern bar cart. Now, Let's talk about the various ways you can organize your home bar to be more aesthetically pleasing and more functional at the same time. First thing we need to talk about here is scale. That is how large is your home bar and what sort of presence does it have? On the small end, we've got folks with a bar cart, whether that's a stationary one or a mobile one that has wheels and you can wheel it around. Kind of in the middle, we've got a setup like mine, which is sort of a cross between a set of cabinets and a dry bar that has a lot of bottle storage space, but no sink, no running water, no real serving surface. And then finally, at the other end of the spectrum, we've got larger dry and wet bars that take up three-dimensional space and often involve seating and serving. From small to large, those categories are gonna help us to basically have this episode apply to most people listening and i'm guessing you've got a pretty good idea of which group your home bar falls into just after hearing me describe those the next question that's important to consider is what purpose 
do I want my bar to serve in an ideal world? Or maybe stated differently, what problem could I solve by reorganizing my home bar? Are you looking to host larger cocktail parties? Are you running out of space? Or does your bar look a little empty at the moment? Is there any portion of the cocktail making process that's problematic for you when using your current setup? And the final question I'd like you to ask yourself is, of course, the aesthetic one. How do I want my bar to look and feel? Is there a current aesthetic in the room you're trying to match or are you going for more kind of eclectic vibe? Are there any conversation pieces or elements of flair that you want to showcase to your guests? And is there any particular symmetry or organization scheme that might represent sort of a marriage of form and function? So we've got the three types of home bars, small, medium, and large, and we've also gone through three types of questions you should be asking yourself about your bar. The big picture question, the functional or logistical question, and then that last aesthetic question. Now, here are tips and tricks for all three types of bars that can help you to answer these questions and start making your way to a better organized and more beautiful home bar. Starting with the smallest of our home bar setups, we're going to take a brief and probably overly general look at the history of the bar cart, essentially why bar carts look and operate the way they do. See, bar carts come from a service industry background where tableside drink preparation was common. This was the case from the very late 19th century or 1800s all the way up through the mid 20th century, and it still exists in a very limited way to this day. Basically what happens is you would order your drink and the bartender would wheel the bar cart right to your table and prepare it in front of you. Logically, you can't fit an entire bar on a bar cart. So in many cases, the bar bartender would swap out the bottles behind the scenes after receiving the drink order and then arrive at the table with an ice bucket, a standard set of glassware and mixing tools, and maybe a couple of standard bottles that never leave the cart, like vermouth, whiskey, gin, vodka, possibly some curacao or orange liqueur. These things obviously varied from establishment to establishment based on what kind of cocktails were served. But the big takeaways are these. Number one, bar carts have wheels because they were originally meant to be mobile mini bars, mobile serving surfaces. Number two, they weren't originally meant to hold all the bottles and hardware that most home bartenders today would need to make their drinks. So let's fast forward to today and look at the problems. Even though there are a large number of aesthetic designs to choose from, the functional design of the bar cart hasn't changed all that much. And yet, we're trying to use them very differently than the purpose that they were designed for. By and large, if you're living in a small space, you're attempting to cram all of your bar tools and bottles onto one bar cart, and the result is going to be, very often, a cluttered mess that doesn't look great or doesn't make the process of creating a cocktail any easier. Plus, I bet that 90% of people who have a fully stocked bar cart are absolutely petrified to move it for fear of losing a bottle or a glass in the process. And that may be because you keep your bar cart on a carpeted surface that's hard for it to wheel around on, or because it doesn't have any rails that keep the bottles safe from falling off the edge. 
how to go about solving these problems. First, ask yourself if there's a way to reserve your bar cart for one primary function, like bottle storage or glassware storage, or maybe cocktail service if that's something you want to try out. I guess my point is, a bar cart that does one thing really well and really stylishly is better than a bar cart that does several things poorly. Another thing you might consider while rearranging your bar cart is if you're taking the most advantage of the vertical space available. Most bar carts have a top and a bottom shelf with a decent amount of kind of empty space in the middle for tallish bottles. But would it be possible for you to hang maybe some of the stemmed glassware that you have sitting currently on the top shelf from a few slotted tracks that you could install right beneath the top shelf? This is what many bars do, and my grandfather actually made a wine rack for me that has a similar functionality, and it's a huge space saver for my coupe glasses and wine glasses. I've got a picture of that in the show notes so that you can see what that looks like and how you might be able to rig something similar on your bar cart. My final suggestion here is for someone whose primary issue is crowding and clutter on the bar cart, and it's really simple. How can you think of evolving your bar cart into part of a larger home bar setup instead of using it as an island of liquor in your living room? This is basically the question of what your bar cart Pokemon will look like when it evolves into the next level version of itself. Maybe the hardware lives on the top shelf, your liqueurs live on the bottom shelf, and all the rest of the liquor gets migrated somewhere else nearby, which gives you a whole new set of possibilities both for the bar cart and for the rest of your evolving home bar setup. It's always tempting to keep things as they are, but when your bar cart starts to groan under the weight of all those bottles, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Take it as a sign that you're ready to grow. Now, let's take a look at what the next level of home bar setup might look like, at least size-wise. And that, as I mentioned earlier, probably involves some shelving, maybe some cabinets, and perhaps a little bit more gravity to it than a small bar cart. And when I talk about gravity here, I'm referring to the weight of the presence in the room. How much attention does it command? How much space does it take up? And for this section, we're gonna actually use my home bar as kind of a case study because it's had the chance to grow and evolve for the past two years, and I think it plays the role of a really functional big bar in a relatively small apartment setting. My wife casually refers to our home bar aesthetic as black and wood, meaning that black and brown are the primary colors, kind of contrasted against the white wall that we have it against, and there's a decent amount of wood in the picture. It's kind of a flexible look and it's the perfect kind of setup for this point in my life where apartment living is the reality and I don't have a ton of money to spend on decorating. But I guess beyond the general color scheme of the bar, the setup consists of two rectangular shelving units arranged to look like a capital letter L lying on its side. And then half of the square cubby holes in these shelving units have doors and the other half are just kind of open cubes. And these alternate in almost a checkerboard pattern. So 
you can see what's in half the cubbies, but the other half are concealed. But it's got a it's got a symmetry to it, so it doesn't look all cluttered. I've got a picture of this in the show notes, so you can get a sense of what I'm describing here. I've tried the best I can, but it's just easier to see a picture of what I'm talking about. And I'm actually going to include two photos of this home bar in the show notes. One of my bar as it currently stands, no beautifying, and then an after shot of what it looks like when I tidy it up. I'm trying to kind of inspire everyone else out there to do some spring cleaning and make a few little improvements to your own bars. And I am not exempt for that. Mine is kind of cluttered right now. And this is a great opportunity for me to make it a little sexier. So now that you have a sense of what my home bar looks like, I'm going to talk about what I like about this setup, as well as maybe some things I could change. For starters, I love that I have eight cubbies that are completely concealed, which allows me to store a ton of bottles without looking like the entire room is dedicated to booze. Now, keep in mind that this bar is in my living room sort of by necessity because I live in a small apartment, but not everyone wants liquor to be the focal point of their living space. I get the best of both worlds here because my spirits are kept behind those closed doors unless they're too tall to fit in the cabinet, and my glassware and bar tools go on display in the open cubbies, which kind of lends some class and a bit of an eclectic feel to the whole setup. These kind of alternating cabinets also play another role, categorization. They allow me to group my spirits by type, which makes finding a bottle way, way, way less of a game of chance. I've got my whiskey cabinet and my gin cabinet because those are my two favorite spirits, logically the things I have the most of. Then I've got my Amaro and liqueur cabinet, where things like Campari and Grand Marnier reside. And then I've got my rum and tequila cabinet, sort of grouping those two spirits together by latitude. And finally, I've got a cabinet reserved for my rail drinks, which are those kind of inexpensive bottles that are the automatic go-to when you're making a punch or a gin and tonic or a whiskey ginger. These categories have evolved as my drinking preferences evolved and as my collection of spirits grew. And that's probably the biggest reason why I enjoy having a modular, flexible home bar setup that's also sleek and symmetrical. What are some other things on my bar? Just to give it that kind of eclectic home touch. Well, books for one, I went to grad school for a literature related field, so I have a ton of them. And I think the empty cubbies on the bar are a good way to display the prettier books as well as a logical resting place for all of my cocktail recipe and reference guides, right? Have the recipes right next to the stuff and it's right there at hand when you need it. Here is a list in no particular order of some of the other stuff on my bar. An Oriental fan with Hendrix gin branding. Custom Maker's Mark glasses dipped in their signature red wax. A cup full of mini DC flags taken from our last tasting room at Tales of the Cocktail in 2016. A flask. Mason jars full of questionable bitters experiments. A small wine rack. Polish pottery from my grandmother. Pictures from my wedding. A handmade cream and sugar set from my friend Sarah. A cigar box I've had since I was a kid. I did not smoke the cigars in said box as a kid. Candles and a lighter. And 
a baseball signed by Hall of Famer Chipper Jones. Now, I did want to quickly mention here uh, a few of the risks of the home bar setup that I have. Some things that you know maybe could be considered weaknesses. And primarily, it's that if you let your organization scheme get a little bit out of order, there are things that can kind of get lost behind other things. And, you know, if there are multiple people using the bar, then, you know, not everybody has the same organization scheme. So every once in a while, I do find myself searching a bit for, you know, something that I thought I knew where it was, but it doesn't turn out that I actually know where it was. But there's a little bit of value to this because there's currently, you know, a few surprises lurking in there. And every once in a while, while I'm searching for something I can't find, I'll happen across a bottle that I'd forgotten I have. And voila, the night takes a sudden turn and becomes more interesting because, oh, I forgot I had that little strange Amaro bottle that I bought two years ago. I hope it's still good. Well, I guess we'll see. And, you know, the cocktail comes out of that. So, um, definitely when you can't see all of the liquor in your home bar setup, if you're intentionally putting it behind closed doors, there is the risk of making your life a little bit more difficult, but I'm personally okay with it because I get little adventures like finding, you know, $20 in the pocket of, you know, a jacket you haven't worn since last winter or something. It's always a fun little adventure. So I'm okay with it. And listen, I know that you're all probably thinking after hearing about my home bar, how can I ever achieve even a small portion of this home bar greatness? And though it might seem impossible, I have faith in you. You can do it. You can take the time and develop a home bar that's as awesome for you as mine is for me. And just like Rome wasn't built in a day, your home bar is not going to be either. So have patience and definitely try new things as you know you find what works best for you at different phases in your life. I want to wrap up this home bar optimization episode with a couple notes on how to make the most out of the largest type of bar on our list today, which is that kind of fully built out dry or wet bar, again, possibly with seating here. This is the kind of setup you seldom see in an apartment, and usually it's going to reside in the basement of a house because that's where there's decent access to things like plumbing and storage space. So let's say you've either got a bar like this in your home currently, or you're thinking about undertaking a renovation project. Here are some things to think about. Number one, make a plan for regular use that can also be scaled up for hosting groups of people, right? That's kind of one of the reasons to have a full bar. You want to show it off, host some people, have them over, but if you build it with just yourself in mind, you might find that what is perfectly functional and cozy at first becomes a trap that has you constantly running around when you're hosting. Remember, ideally the bartender shouldn't ever have to come out from behind the bar. Not to say that you wanna spend the whole time behind there, but the point is you should be able to without having to run upstairs for ice or bring a load of glassware up to the dishwasher and just be kind of running around and not having fun. Number two, break out the big guns if you've got the budget. And here I'm thinking 
a nice counter-mounted mechanical citrus juicer is a nice touch that's going to save you a lot of hand squeezing. Maybe some mirrors that make the room look bigger or show off your liquor collection. You know, um, I think we've all seen bars that have the liquor kind of stacked in tiers, you know, right in front of a mirror. Uh, that, that always looks really nice. And another thing to consider would be flexible rail lighting. Uh, it's very useful if you've got a space that receives varying amounts of natural light or if, like most people, you tend to drink when the sun is in the process of going down or has already gone down. Number three, before you decorate, get out from behind the bar and pretend you are one of your guests. Sit where they would sit. See what they would see. This is going to help you understand where their natural focus will lie, where you've got blank space you could fill with a plaque or a picture, and how well the space works together as a whole. And once you've done that perspective taking exercise, then step back into your own shoes and think about if there's anything you want to communicate to your guests with this space. I've got an example of this type of thing at the end of episode 26, which is our kind of survey episode about cocktails and place that shows exactly what I mean. Finally, if you're planning on slinging some serious drinks behind this bar, take a few minutes to look at pictures of how the pros set up their bars for optimum efficiency. You can definitely just do a quick Google search on Google Images, or if you're on Reddit, there's a great subreddit called Bar Battle Stations that has awesome photos of home bartenders who have done a great job perfecting their setup. And you might be able to take a few tricks out of their book. The last piece of insight I have for this episode applies to bars of all shapes and sizes, and it's very simple. Without getting too mystical about it, remember, your bar is a reflection of who you are. You're a person with passions, flavor preferences, and a story to tell, and the way you set up your bar should communicate that to people, if only in small ways. I hope the recommendations in this episode have been helpful and I wish you luck on your spring cleaning and on your quest for the ultimate home bar setup. We'll be back next week with some great new interview content and I hope you'll join us for that as well. Cheers. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out 
for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember, folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. <laughs>